Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. See You on the Other Side, episode 253. We're going... To Haunchyville. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what that was. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But before we go to Haunchyville, uh, we just got back from, this is the fourth time we've been to the Haunted America convention. Yes. Welcome back, Mike. Welcome back to you, Wendy, in, uh, in Alton, Illinois. A nice, smooth six-hour roll from Madison. Yes. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. We got to play um, our paranormal songs for everybody on Friday to kick the party off. Yes, we did. And we have a couple of videos from that that we'll be uh, sharing online with our Patreons first and then with everybody else. Yes. If, if we met you for the first time this weekend at Haunted America, um, welcome to listening to the podcast. We love you. Yeah, welcome. And it was great meeting all the people at Haunted America. It was fun. I spent probably 95% of the time at our booth which was great because I got to meet almost everybody who stopped by. And uh, what an awesome group of people. Yes, I, I, I thought everybody was great. Uh, my favorite presentations were, number one, our very own Allison delivered a presentation on Saturday morning about possessions and poltergeists in the Midwest. Um, and there was a couple of stories in there that I hadn't heard before. Yeah, she covered quite a, a lot of ground in that presentation. I thought it was great, and it seemed to get a stunned reaction from the crowd. Well, there was a couple of things in there that I hadn't even heard about before. And I was like, oh, my God, that like terrified me. So um, yeah. that, w- that was exciting. So she did a great job. That was her first time presenting there. And then uh, I also got to catch Troy Taylor. He's the guy that runs the whole thing. And he, ran a- he did a presentation on Charles Manson uh, and the-, the Manson family murders, Helter Skelter. And Ooh. Uh, you know, I learned a few things from there that I hadn't known before about Charles Manson and the Beach Boys and everything. Um, so his new book is The Song of Dance and Death. And... Um, well, we're going to have to have him on the podcast to talk about that soon. Definitely. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't see many of the presentations due to holding down the booth. <laughs> yes. But um, it was fun. Our booth was over right next to the American Hauntings podcast and the Ghostly Talk podcast. Yes. So we were like in podcast corner there, um, which was really fun. But one thing that was interesting this year, I thought about Haunted America was the big announcement that Haunt America is no longer just about ghosts. Oh, yeah. Welcomes UFOs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Troy, in his opening speech, said that with everything going on with all the high strangeness topic, it's too uh, nebulous to just separate ghosts out. So we're welcoming in some of the f- other fringe topics, which is exciting to me because it's always been strictly about hauntings. And uh, I think that's going to change things a bit. Yeah. And so that was a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, if we met you this weekend, uh, thank you so much. Make sure you leave a review on iTunes because um, that really helps us out and lets more people know about that. So you can go to iTunes and all you have to do, I mean, just leave a five-star review along with saying something nice <laughs> and, and we will read that review on the podcast. Yes. So every cheers. single one. So just wanted to say it was awesome meeting you guys and we can't wait to see you again, uh, maybe at Haunted America, maybe at one of the other conventions or maybe at a Sunspot Live show somewhere in your area. But uh, today, we want to talk about uh, a scary place near where Wendy and I grew up. So spooky. Yes, and 
it, it's a scary place uh, in, in the suburbs of Milwaukee that also has a, a crazy local legend. Um, so it's not only scary because of the area, it, it's scary because of the local legend. And uh, Muskego, Wisconsin is um, about five, five minutes away uh, from uh, my parents' house. And so when we go to high school and things like that, I, I would have friends who would work in Muskego. Now, Wendy, you were from the north part of the city. So did you ever get down to Muskego very much? I don't think I ever got down to Muskego until I met you and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you never had a chance to get down there. But No, I just heard the rumors about it. <laughs> so Now, uh, Muskego, it's, it's got a really, it's a beautiful lake there. And there even was a amusement park in Muskego called Muskego Beach you know, that ran for decades. And then in the 1970s was changed to Dandelion Park. And uh, <laughs> it's lazy. They, they just didn't want to have to deal with the, uh, the groundskeeping. Right. <laughs> no, they're there on purpose, all those dandelions. So after World War II, uh, you'd have a roller coaster, a merry-go-round. Um, they had a little train that ran through uh, the amusement park. And the Ferris wheel, sadly, in 1974, an 11-year-old boy fell from the Ferris wheel and died. Um, oh, God. That's not just a, you know, that's not just an urban legend or whatever. Um, that's actually in the newspaper as happening. Milwaukee Sentinel has an article about it. Um, there was a cemetery next to, uh, next to Muskego Beach um, that eventually they had to move all the bodies to different to different cemeteries, and then they paved over that and created a parking lot. So the reason that teenagers knew about Muskego, which is a tiny town, just a couple of thousand people, it was because of this amusement park. And, you know, people would go to it all the time. And this is the like the baby boomer era. This is like the late 1940s to, you know, the, the mid-1970s is when this is open. The park eventually closes in 1977. There's just you know, a, abandoned Ferris wheel and roller coaster stuff there for about a decade. And then in the 80s, eventually it all gets demolished and stuff. But the ruins of Muskego Beach were a place where the, you know, like the teenagers would go and stuff. And uh, so that's in one part of the lake. And in the other part of the lake, you had this area at the end of what was called Mystic Road. Now, Mystic, first of all, the name is Mystic Road. So that's, that's pretty cool right there. <laughs> It's enticing uh, in and of yeah, itself. It's like, oh, Mystic Road. What does that mean? Why was it named that? And uh, the rumors about Mystic Road, and this is as I heard it from my friend who worked at a place called William's Supper Club in Muskego, <laughs> and he was like a dishwasher there. And we'd always like to go to haunted places when we were kids. We'd always, you know, go to the scariest places. And this is before we didn't have any equipment. They didn't have EMF meters or everything. We just would go there and be like, we want to see a ghost. Or we want to see something weird. Sometimes we bring a Ouija board or whatever. And, you know, I'd never heard the legend before until my, my friend who, who worked in Muskego, he comes, uh, you know, he comes to me one day. He's like, hey, I heard this place. Um, it's called Mystic Road. And my friends told me that at the end of it, uh, there's supposed to be a community of little people. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> Like they used to be circus dwarves and they, you know, like they, they revolted against their ringleader <laughs> and, and they live back there. And the rumor is, is that uh, they killed one of the local farmers and oh boy. People, people found him, people found the farmer hanging in his barn 
and there was there was a message written on blood on the side of the wall that said the haunches made me do it <gasps> the haunches made me do it and there were little footprints like child footprints uh going away you know from from the hanging body and he's like yeah and if you come down there supposedly they'll chase you off i'm like well well we obviously better, you have to go <laughs> we better go to haunchyville <laughs> right and you know and this is back in the 90s so like today haunchyville has a review on yelp you know what i mean like somebody like that's somebody hilarious put the location into yelp <laughs> where they put the urban legend and were stuff they, like were that. they angry about the service there <laughs> yes they were they were mad about it. So, but this is the day. Like, okay, we got to figure out where Mystic Road is. So, you know, you get the map out and everything like that. Okay, here's the map, of Muskego. Here's Mystic Road. And as you drove down there, it was all cornfields. There's some houses in the back and everything. Um, we get to immediate. Of course, there's a no trespassing sign. Of course. And you see the no trespassing sign. And you're like, well, that's that's not for paranormal adventurers. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, so that's not for us. So let's not sweat it. And then we drive in and you drive in, like park on the side of the road and you start walking down the road into the cornfields and, and let's see if we can see one of those houses or anything. And you could see some sheds in the, you know, sheds like, uh, near the houses and the barns and everything. Um, but I really wanted to see, uh, the barn where the, they said the guy was hanged because the rumor was that sometimes you could still see the ghostly silhouette of the farmer hanging in the barn. I'm like, well, I, oh, I, we, man. first of all, we got, we got to see if this, you know, if this circus midget town is real, then we got to see the barn and we got to see if we can see the guy hanging in the barn. Right. And so we weren't drinking beer or anything like that. Like if we like really wanted a paranormal experience, it just wasn't a place to go out to and get scared. Like we went in there um, and that's why I was saying like, well, the trespassing sign, that's for the non-scientists. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's for, that's what the kids are going to drink and, and, and party there. And like, um, we, we weren't going to party anywhere with the chance of getting us arrested. So like, we're like, we're here for a paranormal experience. And so I went there with my friend who was working at the, um, who, who, you know, he, he, who worked at the, at the restaurant. And then we went with my, my other friend, Nick, and he's like, he's like six foot five or something like that. So he's a pretty big guy. I'm like, well, um, you know, for, maybe they'll go after the tall guy first. Nice. Like, so if we do find the haunches. <laughs> he draws the attention maybe, most. Maybe they'll go after him. And, you know, and this is funny because as we get down there, we do see some sheds. We do see a bar. No ghostly, you know, un- unfortunately, I mean, we got about half mile in down Mystic Road and there's no ghostly silhouette or anything like that. I don't see any tiny footprints. Um, but we do hear like a crazy, uh, crazy bird scream. Ooh, like a pterodactyl. You know, and it, yeah, I mean, it probably was an you know, it probably was just an owl or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was an owl, but whatever it was, it was like a. Wow. And it sounded like a monster Scary. and it was super loud. Um, and so I'm not proud to admit that I just ran. <laughs> it's okay. Like I heard that and I'm like, bye. <laughs> and like even, like and even my friend Nick, the tall guy, was like. Dude, you like abandoned me out to die out there. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. I did. I did. I ran. Because I was the fastest guy among that bunch. And I'm like, I'm out of here. And so uh, I ran back to the car. And our only experience was that crazy. I mean, it, it could have been anything. It could have been somebody like trying to scare us too. Like who lived down there. That'd be a good way to get kids off the property, you know? <laughs> 
instead of using the traditional <laughs> like gunfire dogs barking, just have like a really unique, terrifying sound. And uh, so that was the legend as we heard it. And so we went down to investigate, well, what's down Mystic Road? And now we didn't see any tiny houses and we didn't see any haunches. But, I mean, other people have said they've seen things. And, and the rumors and legends of Haunchyville, you know, starting out in the 1950s, uh, Muskego is a popular place for teenagers to go to kind of mm-hmm. thing. So then, um, you know, they look out and what's the other side of the lake? You know, what's over there? I wonder. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing. And so then this becomes this rumor of this, of this strange uh, community of little people. And, and the, the different rumors, I think, um, make it more interesting. Yeah, for sure. Because to me, it's like, okay, I was really interested because of the farmer and the ghost of the, you know, for, first of all, the first time I heard that the haunchies made me <sighs> do it. There's that, that, there's that terror oh my of gosh. like, well, how could they make you kill yourself? Like, can the haunchies control your mind? Just, and the fact that that would be the last thing you would do before ending it all is to scrawl that on the, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> in, terrible. In your own blood. Yeah. So, you know, the other reports of the other legends are, um, number one, that, uh, that the farmer, what he did, like he discovered the haunches. So there was the, um, you know, there, there was a circus dwarfs that lived there, but they had like an, they had like an underground city or in like an, you know, they lived underground or something was another rumor. And the reason the farmer found them is that he pulled out an old stump, like an old tree stump. And then he discovered their like subterranean enclave. <laughs> and because he discovered that, uh, you know, they, they followed him, they hanged him, they cut off his arms oh, and his legs. You know, so like the, right. So the rumor gets even more gruesome that the guy wasn't just found hanging. They cut off his arms and his legs first. They, they cut him down to size. That's horrific. That's the kind of thing. And um, there also was the, the rumor of the old albino man that lives on, uh, you know, that lives on Mystic Drive. He, you know, he waits at the end of it with a shotgun to ward off anyone trying to cause troubles. Uh, the idea is that he felt like he was an outcast too, as an albino, and he met the he met the little people as a child, and since he treated them as equals um, because he felt like an outcast too, they sheltered him and they raised him as one of their own, and so I mean, as he grew up, he becomes the protector of Haunchyville. You know, same with the shotgun. You know, there's a rumor that they throw rocks at you. <laughs> like you come out there, the haunches come out and like, you know, people, That's, like rock, rocks would be thrown at you to get a, to go away and get away. Which seems to be the number one defense method of like supernatural sites. Right. That somebody's <laughs> just going to toss rocks at you. And um, anytime you're, you're nosing around where you don't belong, you're going to have rocks thrown at you. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the, if the haunches catch you or whatever, um, they'll, they'll cut you down, you know, from your knees, they'll, they'll cut your legs off from your knees down. So then you're forced, uh, to live as a little person yourself. So they cut you down to size. And that actually became the inspiration of, um, a couple issues of the Punisher comic book. Hmm. And, and so Garth Ennis was, uh, he's the guy that developed the preacher comic, which is now a TV show. It's on AMC. And, that's kind of the preacher comic is kind of what, what launched him to fame. And that's got a lot of paranormal in it. And in, in when he was working on the Punisher, uh, he based, uh, you know, part of it on Haunchyville in that the, the bad guys were a, a group of little people who formed their own kind of mafia. 
and they cut off their rival mobs, mobster's legs from the knees down. Oh, gosh. You know, and it's just like the haunted wow. little residents supposedly did the trespassers. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny that this guy from, you know, Northern Ireland or whatever uses this obscure Wisconsin urban legend as the basis for the bad guys, you know, in one of his issues. Yeah. And so, you know, I really, I really did not think that a lot of people outside of Muskego knew what Haunchyville was until uh, Weird Wisconsin came out. Okay. And so Weird Wisconsin comes out and you find out that all these kind of people are sending messages because to uh, Linda Godfrey and Richard Hendricks, who worked on Weird Wisconsin. And how long ago did that come out? The book came out in like 2005. Okay. But there was a website beforehand. Ah. And like, I think, I, I mean, I even wrote to them about Haunchyville, you know, back in like the late 90s yeah. when, the, when Weird Wisconsin was just a website. And so, uh, you, you know, you find out other people all over the greater Milwaukee area had their version of the story. And so sometimes it's, uh, it's not a village of little people, but it's a farm being worked by a bunch of midgets who'd retired from show business. <laughs> Always. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's always like the retired circus midgets because like yeah. how else would they all meet and stuff? Right. So there's supposed to be tiny houses like shack, you know, tiny houses with, with smaller doors. They said that the stop signs on Mystic Drive are waist high. You could verify that, right? Right. And I did not see waist high uh, stop signs. Like, that's the kind of thing like after a rainstorm or whatever, maybe one of the stop signs sinks or maybe, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But somebody saw it once and like it became fact. Right. There's also in the 1960s, they hear about the story of the, the same thing. It's, it's the group of circus dwarves and they're living in the cornfields or whatever. And you get a teenage couple who parked their car in the cornfields to make out. And they're attacked by little creatures that leave scratch marks on the roof of the car. And then the teenagers are found dead inside the car. Um, so, okay. Right there too. So there's combining more than one urban yeah. legend, like of the like you know the the hook for a hand or whatever guy that comes out and kills the people in the car. Yeah. Like now we have little people doing it. So you know urban legends combining with each other. It's like okay, here's a community of little people, and now they're killing teenagers who go out to make Look out. out. So the thing is, you go out to to investigate it, and so what happens is. Uh, the police then, they, they get involved because they got to go out and give parking tickets. Or I'm sorry, they got to give trespassing tickets. And, <laughs> and parking tickets too, works, I'm sure. And parking tickets too, if you're making out. Um, one officer says, um, he's like, most Muskego kids know it's a myth. Kids from the uh, surrounding areas continue to go down there and it drives the homeowners nuts. And this is an interview with Patch.com in like 2011. He's like, but the point we want to drive home is there are no little people there, no axe murders. Just nice taxpaying people who want to live in peace. <laughs> if we catch you, you're going to get a ticket. And at number one, it's a $276 ticket. Ooh. And he was working with the police department for 29 years. And he's given out hundreds of tickets for trespassing on Mystic Drive. But the funny thing is, he's like, there's no little people there. And no axe murders. <laughs> what axe murder? Right, who asked you about that? Right? Like, who, like, what are you covering up, Lieutenant Dave <laughs> Constantino of the Muskego <laughs> Police Department? The head of the Muskego Police Department of Disinformation? <laughs> But, you know, that hasn't stopped, um, you know, people still going down there, uh, even though it's kind of developed now. So it's it's not really like you go down there and it's not as like a, a scary cornfield. There's all houses. So they paved paradise. <laughs> right. They bulldozed the haunches right out of there. Uh, so the one thing that urban legends can't withstand 
is uh, right, the march of progress, <laughs> right? And they can't withstand people trying to make a buck. Um, but, you know, one girl is quoted as she investigated it, and, and she's quoted in the Marquette Wire to say, um, you, know, she, you know, she went with her friends one time when she was in high school. And this is someone who's being interviewed in like 2011. So she's in high school in the 2000s when she goes out. And she goes, we scared ourselves silly there. We went once and we were pretty much crying. But we went back and everything is little. <laughs> now, I didn't see this, but this is what okay. she says. The houses were, were houses were regular size, but the front doors were smaller and so were the mailboxes. Every single house had its light on. It looked like a community for little people, but we didn't see anyone. Uh, and it's Nora Pilak quoted in the Marquette Wire. And I'm like... I didn't see that stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe I had to a further. Yeah, down. it makes me wonder if the location is not that easy to find, or yeah. Um, but the thing is, the houses were regular size, but the front doors were smaller, and so were the mailboxes. To me, that sounds like that's what you expect yeah, to see. Totally, you know, the kind of thing. Seeing um, what you want to see. Right, but maybe I was too frightened by the pterodactyl <laughs> scream before I got down there. Like, what's the, oh and, my and gosh! Like, Holy crap! And then I'm, I'm like, bye. And, you know, some of the, uh, the reasons that people think that they started the legend of Haunchyville was that uh, there was a distillery and a liquor operation there during Prohibition. And so they started a rumor uh, about uh, that group of little people in order to uh, scare people off and make people not want to go there. Even though that seems to me to be kind of dumb, because every time you start an urban legend or whatever, it seems like people want to investigate yeah. it. So that's a reason for it. That would be a reason to attract right. more attention. It seems like you'd want to, if you're going to start the rumor, lead the people to a different place other than your residence. <laughs> right. Like over there in the swamp, there's something weird going on. Yeah, you're going uh, to want to check that out. And definitely not here where we're making rum yeah. or whatever. Right. <laughs> and it's funny the way people kind of spread it on too, especially when you get to the internet. Because so like Marquette... Marquette University, they have a like a television like program, and so Marquette University even had like a, a parody of a guy that survived Haunchyville, you know, and so he has this uh, this video, and it's they have him just the silhouette and the voice disguised and everything, and he's like, "Here's what I saw when I went to Haunchyville, <laughs> and it's all real, and you know, this is their, you know, they make it as a parody as a joke, um, but then people come on in the YouTube comments." And some people are like, no, this is a parody. It's not real. Other people are like, oh, my God, I want to go there now. I want to check mm. it out. And then like, some pe other people come in and be like, don't go there. It's not worth it. It's real all right. It's not funny. And you, know, you never, ever want to go there. So there's people coming in telling you it's real. And those are the residents of the uh, neighborhood there, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you no. know, you have people on like online forums they're having conversations and somebody's like, oh my God, I heard this story about Haunchyville. Have you guys ever heard anything about it? And most of the people are like me. They're like, yeah, I checked it out when I was a teenager and I didn't see anything weird. Um, you know, nothing happened. And then somebody jumps in and it's like, I lived in the community dubbed as Haunchyville since 1941. Ooh. A group of small people organized a co-op style group for living quarters and equipment for farming after the depression. Yes, we hired a trusted local bachelor to be a watchman and an emissary in dealings with the outside community. 
Some of us were mean only because of the stories that demeaned us. I now live in Chicago and I've never talked about my experience outside of those who are still with us. I hope this clears up a lot of misrepresentation for the sake of who are still sensitive about injustice. But then he's like, there's no point in contacting me. There's nothing more to tell. Please pass this on to your friends. Thank you. And like, that's a guy that has one post. Right. On the entire, you know. I just came here to say this. (laughs) And so you're like, okay, so somebody reading that is going to be like, all right, well, everybody else says it's fake, but this guy's story about the like the little people co-op for after the depression and farming, well, that ma- that kind of makes sense, you know that 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 sounds like it makes sense because then um, it's almost like well, if the story started in the 1950s, well, that that lines up too, and then of course having you know hiring somebody as a watchman uh, who's regular size, that seems to work, and so you see how this spreads even till today that people. Like the the internet is just like we think we have this place with a whole bunch of truth. Like you can go on the internet and find the facts on almost anything, but you can also find uh, a ton of disinformation and people purposefully trying to uh, stir things up because they think it's funny. Yeah, and I I think it's funny. You know, I think it's funny when people go on YouTube and um, they're like, "Is this real?" And somebody's like, "Yes, it's real." <laughs> Haunchyville is real. And it is funny to do that, but it's also like a way you're, you know, spreading stupid urban legends um, and scaring crap out of the people. And also, uh, well, here's in the interview with Linda Godfrey in Weird Wisconsin, as one of the residents of Mystic Drive area says, a young boy once asked me if we have seen the haunchies. And I responded, yeah, we feed them raw meat. And then the terrified boy ran away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Right. And then in October 2000, uh, they're talking about the haunches in the, like, the Milwaukee Journal. And then Detective Lieutenant James Butish of the Muskego Police Department. Um, he's talking about the hundreds of tickets. And he's like, when they find Paul Bunyan and Babe, his blue ox, then they might find the haunches, he said. I'm not the prince or the king of the haunches, so I'm not trying to protect them. There are only one or two guys in this department who are actually short enough to be considered real haunches. So it's funny that the, uh, you know, the police department, like he's trying to make a joke or whatever. And it just sounds like, what? I'm yeah. not the prince or king of the haunches? Right. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, maybe just say like, like, the other guy better when he's like, did it better when he's like, there are no haunches. There are no axe murders. Right. Um well, it sounds like they've probably heard every version of the legend that there is, you know, right. so they're probably like, we're not this, we're not that. <laughs> I'm, or they know worry, something not, we don't. And that's, that's probably why he's connecting to the protector or whatever. Like, I'm not the protector. I'm not the prince of the haunches. <laughs> I'm just the guy that gives you, the guy that gives you a ticket if you go down there uh, in the trespassing. Right. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Haunchyville is kind of a, a ridiculous story. There's even the Bass Bay Brew House. Which we have to visit. We do now have to visit there in Muskego because uh, I think they, they make their own beer. So we're going to have to drink that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just all Wisconsin taps and bottles and it's local ingredients. It's a former supper club. It's, I don't believe it's the same. It's not the same supper club that my friend used to work at. But they do have a angry haunchy burger. All right, bring it on. Okay. So the uh, Angry Haunchy has chipotle mayo, uh, roasted poblano queso, chili, Fritos, and sour cream. So that's what kind of that burger it is. So you can order the Angry Haunchy uh, when you go. (laughs) And then you can eat it. 
Yeah, and then you can when you go to the Bass Bay Brew House, you can get that. And I, and I think they call it angry because it's got a little spicy stuff in it. So the poblano queso obviously is spicy. Um, the Fritos, so it's a crunchy, you know, it's one of those crunchy burgers, whatever, and the chili. So I just thought it was funny that uh, now the, the haunchy is well known enough that it gets its own burger uh, at a restaurant in Muskego. And, you know, the, the internet does change things in, in a way because when we were kids, you'd have to spread it by talking about right. it. Right. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't written up anywhere. Um, the first time I heard anyone else even talking about it was on the Weird Wisconsin website in the late 90s. Wow. After we'd already gone there. And, you know, so like Allison, my sister, she grew up in the same place. And she, her friends and stuff, they would always talk about weird things. Um, she's like, oh, I never heard that before I went out there. But the fact is, like, we had to spread it. So if you didn't know somebody who worked in Muskego or whatever, or who, like, he had to spread it to him, that guy had to spread it to me. Then I, when I came to Madison, I would tell people stories like, oh, yeah, we used to have Haunchyville. Yeah, you told all of us on the dorm floor about it. (laughs) Right. And so it's just that funny kind of thing that, you know, now things can spread and Haunchyville can have a Yelp location where somebody, like, reviews it and other people check into it. Uh, under their local flavor section. And you just think about you know, how, how rumors used to spread and the internet gives you a whole new way of spreading <laughs> this information, even, even if uh, the real story is like two clicks, two clicks away. So the thing about Haunchyville, though, is that it definitely was not the only, uh, was not the only game in town when it came to a community of little people uh, and that being a rumor. I believe we talked about this before, um, is that uh, they had the same kind of thing, even in, in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we had our friend Vic uh, told us about his, you know, like when he went to the Midget Mansion, or whatever oh, yeah, they called it, in right. San Antonio. <laughs> and once again, we have that story of, now this one is that one of the rumors is that it was a, a little person who had made it big in The Wizard of Oz. Or whatever, and he or he made it big in the circus. He made it big in Hollywood. Either way, he retires, uh, buys a mansion in San Antonio, and then he has a little person wife, uh, regular sized children. But then he hires all regular size like s- servants, and he treats them horribly as like revenge for how he was treated as a little person in Hollywood, and eventually. You know, one of the servants goes crazy and kills the family or burns the house. I mean, there's different ways that the legend goes. She either burns the house down or she kills the family, or but she's sick of being mistreated. Either way, it's very violent. Yes, it ends violently. Um, and the thing is, this was, uh, it's been raised over now. And there's like a, it was a real mansion in San Antonio. And uh, it, it's like a Lowe's, to, you know, Home Depot kind of thing now. <laughs> Can't investigate anymore. Right. It was an abandoned, beautiful house for a long time. Like So like in the 1970s and 1980s, that's where kids would go. It was like Mystic, like Mystic Drive. It's a place where kids would go drink beer hmm. and have ghost stories and, and weird things happen. They'd go, and that, see, that's the kind of kids that I was like, those are the ones you don't want trespassing. <laughs> the, you know, I, w- I didn't consider what we did trespassing because I'm like, well, we're on a mission. Um. And obviously the police don't care if we're in a mission or not. Right. (laughs) They would love to give me a ticket. So, you know, you have that story in San Antonio. And then you also have other locations around the country where people talk about this community. It's it's always the same thing. It's like 
you know, dwarves leave the circus and then they go form their own community somewhere. And they call them like midgetvilles. Hmm. That's politically correct. Right. Well, I mean, you, like midgets is more of a, it's a derogatory term because like dwarves are humans. You know, dwarfism is a thing, but there is no midgetism or anything like that. So it's like a, it's like a word just made up for this kind of thing. So it, it comes off as derogatory. And that's why these circus dwarf homes, uh, there's a place called Tiny Town near Cincinnati, um, like a ranch where people said that they, you know, they used to see uh, like little people. And then if you came near Tiny Town, they they throw rocks at you. <laughs> Again? Uh, isn't that right? <laughs> right. They're always throwing rocks at you. And so uh, there's that. And that one, that's the one when they, like they have like a little train. Ah, okay. I think people saw the little train. And that's another like former amusement park yeah. kind of deal that eventually became. So there's stuff built for kids because it was an amusement park. And then people see those abandoned houses or little trains or things. And that's what makes them think, oh, yeah, this is a community of li- like little people. And then teenagers go out there in the middle of the night. They see something. Mm-hmm. Maybe they hear a pterodactyl scream. And they, you know, they, and they rush back to their friends and tell them what kind of crazy stuff they saw. So, um, it, it's those kind of things. Tiny Town near Cincinnati. There was a Jefferson Township, New Jersey, where there actually is some houses that are smaller. Um, but then people also had that. that there's, there's, there's the vengeful, there's the vengeful group of, of little people there uh, waiting to get back at you. Yeah. If you're if you're a big person or not, I mean a regular sized person or a big person like my friend Nick, a giant. Um, well, and speaking of, we were just in the land of the giant, uh, in Illinois, Robert Wadlow was the tallest human ever recorded at over nine feet tall. And it's funny that, I mean, there's, there's an awesome, uh, statue of him, like life-size statue of him, uh, downtown in Alton. That's really cool. But then there's like little, like cardboard cutouts of him. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. So like Robert Wadlow, that he's in a skateboard. That's cute. He's like the yeah. Feet. He's like the mascot for Alton. Yeah, and you know it's funny because um, we were talking about the Haunchies uh, last week in a place called the Wisconsin Dells, and I gave a presentation on this. And then later on, we had a a ghost investigation, a ghost hunt at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. And then right in the front of the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, Wisconsin Dells, um, they have a full-size statue of Robert Wallow, the tallest man in the world. And so you can stand next to it, your picture taken and everything. And it just makes me laugh because it's like, I felt like, man, I've been surrounded by Robert Wadlow lately. Like he's a member of my <laughs> He's family. everywhere you go. <laughs> everywhere I go is this huge man. So uh, also there's a La Linda in Long Beach, California. There was a, a rumored community of um, little people that they said all worked on The Wizard of Oz. And once again, here's The Wizard of Oz. And because this is such a popular movie, I mean, it's an insanely popular film, right? Wizard of Oz, everybody's seen it. <laughs> Uh, maybe with Dark Side of the Moon, maybe not. But um, it's the largest group of little people ever put together at the same time, at, you know, up until that point. I don't know if, they, if George Lucas maybe used more people on Return of the Jedi for the Ewoks and stuff. But so this is the largest group of little people ever put together to make this film. Um, you know, it's all these stories then end up like, oh, yeah, well, they got famous and got rich from, you know, being the munchkin land of the Wizard of Oz. And so uh, once they made it big in Hollywood, they had success now and they wanted to get back at the, you know, get back at the, the regular <laughs> size people any way they could. 
And so it's just it's just ridiculous things like that. And so you you find out that the haunches, um, I mean, they combined it a couple, you know, they combined a couple of different you know urban legends. The uh, you know the killer the killer out in the you know out in the cornfields, and they add that to the circus dwarf community. And then then adding on top of that, you have the uh, the like the hanging of the farmer and the you know the, the murder of the farmer and the like the strange protector and all those kind of things and you see that all the urban legends kind of just jump yeah. on top of each other to form something different and for people to talk about and then you think like well why are we so fascinated with like circus dwarves like that that idea of like what makes people like what what makes it so scary to people that it's it's this it's this easy kind of uh, narrative. To say that, all right, well, little people must have a chip on their shoulder because, you know, they don't have the same opportunities or their life is harder or they get made fun of, like from the get go. Mm-hmm. And that almost, you know, that feels like a very high school kind of thing. It does. You know, because a lot of high schoolers have chips on their shoulder. <laughs> and so they understand. Right. And, and um, it's an age where it's all about belonging. And a lot of times that means in excluding people who don't belong. So it fits in with that. And, you know, it, it almost, uh, it makes it easy to exoticize, um, you know, little people and, and dwarves and things like that. And you find, uh, uh, you know, these kind of legends, even in different parts of Wisconsin. And so there's a magazine called Fate Magazine. I don't know if you, if you guys have ever read it, uh, that collects people's stories. And they've been collecting people's stories for, oh, Almost like 1947 was the first issue. So Fate's like the OG, like paranormal magazine or true life paranormal magazine. So Fate magazine would collect these stories. And there's two interesting stories from Wisconsin specifically about like seeing little people. Um, One comes from uh, Barron County. Uh, so Barron County is far north Wisconsin. So it's close to the, the Minnesota border. And it's a couple hours or maybe an hour north of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And so Barron County, 1919, um, you get Harry Anderson, not Harry Anderson from Night Court. <laughs> It'd be great if it uh, was him. <laughs> was it? Because, yeah, he's 13 years old and he goes on a drive with his father from Eau Claire. And, you know, cars are still relatively new at that point and everything. So, like, let's go out on a joyride. So, he goes out with his dad. And then what happens is they run out of gas. And so, the dad sends Harry off to the, the nearest. As you do, send the kid off says, into the dark. As you do. You're 13. It's dark. What I want you to do is go find me some gas. I'm going to be here drinking. Don't worry about it, boy. So he sends Harry off, and as Harry's walking by the farm, he sees 20 bald little people walking Whoa. down the road. And like 20 of them walking single file, they're bald. They're wearing, all wearing white knee socks. Hmm. All right. But they're walking down the road, and then he, he like jumps into the cornfield, and they walk by him, and they're singing a song. Uh, and the words of the song are, we won't stop fighting till the end of the war. In 1994, sound off one, two, sound off three, four, detail one, two, three, four, one, two. The clapper. <laughs> right, the clapper. And so they do, like, he sees it and he, like, tells people that, like, he's, he, that's what he saw. Um, and so is that some kind of, you know, 1919, we're just at the end of the greatest war ever fought. I mean, it wasn't great. 
Right. Uh, but the biggest war ever fought, World War I, millions of people dying. So is he, is he having some kind of hallucination or nightmare, you know, because he's thinking about another war? Uh, and the, the people are marching in a military fashion. Obviously, the sound off, one, two, sound off. It's just the same thing uh, that they say to soldiers while they're marching. Um, but why is it bald little people wearing white socks? That's so unusual. Right? So th- there's that in um, 1973. Now, this is also the, uh, the western side of Wisconsin, Trempolo Mountain. Um, this is not super far away from Barron County, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, Trempolo, I used, to, um, I used to have to go out to Trempolo to shoot news stories when I worked at the mm-hmm. TV station in La Crosse. And in fact, their, uh, their high school was uh, Galesville Ettrick Trempolo High School. And so you would abbreviate that when we were working on a news story. We had to shoot somebody at the high school or talking to somebody who worked at the high school. We'd abbreviate that in the, uh, the lower third when you talk to the person as G-E-T high. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was great. You always had a good laugh when you're like, oh, no, we got somebody from the high school. Oh, like, uh, yeah. I bet those students love that, too. <laughs> right? It's, so uh, we, were, we were just as um, immature as the students were yeah. in uh, talking to the kids from Get High. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a guy named Frank Banner, and he talks about going on a, on a dog walk on Trempolo Mountain, and he says that he met a tribe of two-foot-tall people dressed in primitive clothes. I thought that's probably why he describes it as a tribe mm. because they were dressed up in what he just, you know, as stone age clothing <laughs> and he's freaked out, but his dog greets them like they're buddies. So like the dog gets all excited and like runs to him and things like that, like they're friends uh-huh. and Frank freaks out about it. And, you know, eventually they go away and he like runs off home or whatever and tells people that he met a tribe of two foot humans. Wow. So that's that, uh, just a little idea of, you know, those are people who've actually claimed to see something. Now, in Haunchyville, nobody actually ever said they saw the haunchies. Like, when you look at the reports, they're like, I did see small houses, or oh. somebody threw, you know, I did see rocks at me or whatever. But nobody's like, man, I, the, ha- the haunchies came out. I mean, people will say that, like, in the, tr- the online trolls or whatever. Like, they came out. It was terrifying. They tried to cut me. They tried to cut my knees off. Or whatever. But there isn't like a description or like a, a police profile drawing of what they actually look like. Right. Like Frank Banner, like he told Fate Magazine, this is what I saw. Harry Anderson, you know, told people for a long time that that's the, the strange things I saw. And uh, that reminds me, there is a, um, in the Great Lakes Native Americans, they do have uh, stories of a, a group called the, the Memigwesi. <laughs> who are small, hairy water spirits. Mm. Um, and of course, what they love to do is throw rocks. So, uh, you know, it's, it's this idea of little people that live by water, kind of like the Haunchies living by Muskego Lake. Yeah. And it's a group of little people that, that live by water, but they're not, you know, they're supposed to be actual spirits. They're more like fairies than this idea mm. of like circus dwarfs. Yeah. And of course, the Memigwesi can only be seen by children and animals. So that's, you know, what I think is interesting there is it just makes me think of that um, Frank, uh, Frank Banner story when the dog comes up to greet them. Yeah. Interesting. Makes you think like, all right, well, um, you love when like little things like that combine to, to make it more interesting. Right. But it, it's this idea that 
little people have always been considered um, almost used as props in a way. And so when we think about our fascination with them uh, and like teenagers' fascination with this ex- you know, exclusionary group, um, ancient Egyptians thought little people were closer to God. They would give them powerful spots in the court. And that continues into the royal courts of Europe in the medieval times. You think of the fool or the jester. Yeah. Uh, especially in Spain, that was a thing. There's even like looking at a picture of one of the queens of Spain and she's got like a little person next to her that she's like rubbing her head. <laughs> And so they'd keep somebody, you know, in the court because they thought they were touched. They thought they were special. They thought they were, you know, closer to God. And, I mean, our fascination continues with, uh, like, circus dwarves being a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you... Well, it's more like disenchanted circus dwarves. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, but you, these traveling circuses become super popular in the late 19th century and the early 20th century. They're traveling all across the country. There's several circuses going. In Wisconsin, um, we've talked about Baraboo before. And so Baraboo, Wisconsin becomes like the winter home of the Ringling Brothers. Ringling Brothers Circus is then centered in Wisconsin. And they have a mansion in Baraboo, the Al Ringling Mansion. And, you know, people have stories of ghost elephants and everything and weird things. But this is where this, the circus uh, would winter. And so everybody from the sideshow, the dwarves and everything like that, would be in Baraboo, which is about, like, Baraboo's like a half an hour away from Madison. So it's pretty close to where uh, Wendy and I are right now. But the most famous uh, of the of the little people that performed in the, in, the, in the circus is General Tom Thumb. And he's like P.T. Barnum's right-hand man. Ah, uh, okay. And uh, he performs for Queen Victoria twice. He tours with... Uh, you know, P.T. Barnum all over the, you know, they, they toured all over and became world famous. And he was part of that, uh, you know, like the circus dwarf thing. And he's even in Milwaukee in 1883. Um, there's a fire at a hotel. And it's the worst hotel fire in American history at that point. It kills 71 people. Uh, the Newhall House is the name of it. And General Tom Thumbs actually in Milwaukee during that fire and... He's he's saved by a firefighter, and that like that's in the story. Like the firefighter wow. was able to like, grab him with like one hand. Like he had to. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and like he had to stand outside his room window or whatever, while the you know the rest of the hotels in flames. Seventy one people die, and there's still a ton of stories um, in in the hotel that it's the um, the Hilton Garden Inn in Milwaukee uh, stands at that, and you can see the burn marks on the nearby building still. Wow. And we'll talk about the Newhall House on a later episode because Allison and I did an investigation there one night and we got some really cool stories from the people that worked there. But, you know, you think like, all right, well, the people in the 19th century were not quite as enlightened as us, right? In our woke age, we're not even going to use the word midget anymore or anything like that because, you know, we're, we're better than that. But think about poltergeist. Think about time bandits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, David Lynch's... Um, the man from another place in Twin Peaks, right? The, right. Like the little guy dancing. He uses uh, little people as a, okay, now we're going to get surreal. Yeah. You know, and it's like, a, it's like a shorthand, a visual shorthand for surreal. In fact, there's a movie called Living in Oblivion, and it's about like independent filmmaking in the 1990s. And oh. there's a scene where the director wants to make a dream sequence. He wants to make it surreal. So he, gets, he brings in a dwarf, and the dwarf played by Peter Dinklage... Tyrion from from, uh, Game of Thrones. And Peter Dinklage is like, 
get out of here. You know, he's like, I'm sick of everybody using dwarves. Uh, to like, he's like, we're not surreal. We're not crazy. We're not magical. We're not anything. <laughs> and so living in oblivion was the first time I was like, okay, this is great. Cause I had to review it for the student newspaper or whatever. Ah, uh, okay. And so that was the first time I was like, okay, finally, somebody's calling out the fact that we're, <laughs> that even in our more enlightened PC age, we're still like using little people as a, uh, as a, as a, a shorthand right. for real magic, you know, things like that. Like, they're not elves, just regular dudes, they're just small. And uh, I just thought that was a great example of that. Uh, I mean, the hobbits are magic, you know, and Lord of the Rings and stuff. And so we just have that kind of fascination uh, with the group and, you know, urban legends, and they kind of get tossed in there with urban legends and you know it's well it's like mini me in the austin yeah, powers too like right. the, the the exoticization of the other where um i mean and we've been looking at a quote from the uh, article from the mirror in like 2009 and it's mini me's girl or Vern troyer the guy that played mini me like his girlfriend and she's like he you know he was sex obsessed he treated me like a slave all that kind of stuff and it's this idea of uh, you know, it's the same as the imp from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this idea of, you know, people have that stereotype of dwarves as, you know, angry, drunk, sex obsessed, as stories from the Wizard of Oz. Like there's urban legends about uh, that the, the munchkins had like an orgy on set and things Jeez. like that. <laughs> and you're like, what? what? Get out of here. Yeah. And so it's just all those things kind of combine into each other. And urban legends... Uh, can be you know fascinating and fun to investigate and stuff like that, uh, but they also can be silly and uh, promote harmful stereotypes. So I am here to say to stand up for the haunches and say number one they do not exist, and number two, I've met people that have worked in sideshows and everything like that, and they are the exact opposite of angry and bitter. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about it. So uh, we'd love to hear more about any urban legends in your area that you may have investigated and anything like that, because it's always fun to see people from all across the country and the different kind of stuff that they, you know, that they've explored and the legends in their town. So if you have anything like Haunchyville or whatever, please, like you can tweet at us at Other Side Talk, or you can send a message to info at othersidepodcast.com. Send us an email and let us know about the urban legends in your town, because we'd love to talk a, a little bit more about that, uh, just like we talk about the stuff that we've investigated in our own backyard of southeastern Wisconsin. So for the song this week, well, you just got to talk about the haunches. <laughs> of course. So here's Sunspot with Haunchyville. Watch out for the little guys They'll cut you 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at OthersidePodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Mike. Yes. Last weekend was awesome. It was. We got to meet another one of our Patreon members and hang out with her. That's right. Chelsea. Chelsea, thanks. Nice meeting you in Alton, Illinois. Yes. And we, we got to see her at Haunted America again, which is where we originally met her in person. So Yes, I yes. think so. So much fun. Either way, we love meeting our Patreons in person, hanging out, talking about it. Um, like that really is a, a special experience for us. So uh, we would love for you guys to join our Patreon community. And we recognize that we can't meet everybody in person. Well, maybe someday. But for now, we will hang out with you and meet you online in the See You on the Other Side Patreon hangouts that we have every month. Right. And so we love to talk about horror movies, uh, investigations, paranormal experiences. Uh, It's really a catch-all of weird stuff. And uh, we talk to everybody every month, hang out, get ideas for podcasts. And uh, also we have a Facebook discussion group where we'll try to do live videos when we're at events and things like that. And just a chance to get to know everybody a little better and go uh, get more direction about the things we should talk about on See You on the Other Side. And so if you're interested in joining that group of awesome people and brilliant, really, people, (laughs) othersidepodcast.com slash donate is the place where you can come and be part of the See You on the Other Side Patreon community. And Dr. Ned is at the level where we give him a shout out in every single episode. Yay, Ned. So Ned, thank you very much for your support. It is 100,000 times appreciated. Thank you, Ned. All of our Patreons, we love you guys and can't wait to talk to you in the next Hangout. And everybody else, join us, othersidepodcast.com slash donate, and join our growing community of people that love talking about rock and roll, weird stuff, horror movies, and the other side. What are you covering up, Lieutenant Dave Constantino of the Muskego Police Department, the head of the Muskego Police Department of Disinformation?